Hey church, uh, my name's Nick. Uh, tonight, <coughs> sorry, uh, we're going to be reading from Philippians chapter 1 verse 27 to chapter 2 verse 18. Uh, so there's Bibles off the back if you don't have one or you can read up um, on the screen. So I'll just give you a sec to open to that. Alright, so starting from verse 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whenever I come and see you, or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This, sorry, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it is being granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but, to eat, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with each other, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at that name of Jesus every knee shall bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father." Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out in your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked, crooked generation. Then you will shine like them, Sorry. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Thank you. Thanks, Nick. My name's Ian. Good to see you all on this uh, Father's Day weekend of uh, 2019. I hope you had a good day. Have your dads, granddads had a good day? One out there, two out there. Jurassic Park. Anyone here remember Jurassic Park? Fantastic movie. Anyone here remember Land Before Time? How many of those parents went and bought all those little ducky and all that? Heck, we got, you know... Who'd have thought you'd market that stuff and parents would go and buy it? Gee, someone should text Woolworths, have a good idea about getting stuff out in the marketplace. Oh, it was so cute though, wasn't it? Still remember, it's like Jaws theme. Every time you hear Jaws theme, you know what's going to happen. 
Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, the other week, uh, two weeks ago, Shane started a series, fantastic, on United. Uh, Shane, the chef, was there about taking all the ingredients of life, the Bible, theology, uh, stirring it together, and you get something called doctrine. And uh, last week, Miles uh, took it a step further. And you remember the plane illustration? I do fantastic. As much as we want to become the plane, we're not going to. We're in the plane locker in Christ. And I can personally testify that we can't fly. I'm about 10 sitting on top of a garage roof with a friend. And we both had an umbrella each. And we said, if we jump off the edge of this garage roof, we will fly and softly land on the ground. Neither of us were really convinced. But he thought I needed a nudge, so he did, and off the edge I went, and I did not gently float to the ground. In those days, you had something called an incinerator. You actually burnt stuff, didn't you? Remember those days? You used to burn stuff in the open air. So I hit the incinerator and broke my arm (laughs) and cried out. So I'm with Miles. You don't become the plane and fly. United in his work and tonight uh, what we're doing is looking at the impact of being united with Christ in his life and it is so crucial because everything we do as God's people is connected to this whole theory and principle and doctrine of being united with Christ in his life. So would you pray with me Heavenly Father as we stop and think about this series, as we think about who we are, as we think about who you call us to become, may it be Father that more and more we understand how being united with Jesus changes things, changes how we speak, changes how we live. Father, may it be more and more we continue to conduct ourselves in a manner that brings honour and glory to you in Jesus' name. Amen. There's lots of parts of scripture that echo the reality of who we are in Christ. Uh, In fact, that's often stood up through Matthew's Gospel. We've been doing a lot of Matthew's Gospel over the last few years and some of you might remember Matthew 5, 13 to 16 that talks about being salt of the earth or that we're a light to the nation. So it matters who we are, it matters how we conduct ourselves. Uh, Matthew 5.13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? You are the light of the world. A, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. You know that for all of us who live down this wonderful part of the world as you drive down Bulai or Mount Usli, you know you turn left as long as your eyes are on the road. But if you turn left, you see all the wonderful lights of Wollongong. It's always magical. Do you guys think as you, every single time you drive down at night time, you think, wow, this place is magical. You can't hide it, just like you can't hide who we are. Many, many, many years ago, an old, old preacher, a guy called Charles Spurgeon, a Baptist preacher, a man who profoundly struggled with depression, And uh, why I like reading about men and women who really understood what it was like to struggle and still live their life and bring honour to God because for me, I think I learn more from those who've had a, a greater struggle than I have. He said this, There is no joy in this world like union with Christ. The more we can feel it, so it isn't just your head. And some people might think, you know, and I think shame when I've touched on this doctrine, well, you just wrestle with that in your study. You don't sort of, Engage that no it makes you feel uh, the happier we are union with Christ is the centre of our salvation and our sanctification and central to all our deepest joys in this life all our deepest joys this union with Christ this connection with Christ the Apostle Paul himself continually wrote about what it meant 
to be united with Christ and what that would look like in our daily living, how the impact that the impact that would have. This thing called Christian living. You might have grabbed it as Nick read it out. Verse twenty seven, Philippians chapter one. Whatever happens. And as you get older, there's lots of things that happen. Things that you do not expect, things that you wish didn't happen. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that what? That you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Whatever happens. And that's a really key thing in terms of this Christian life and especially when you are young because things start to shape in your hearts and minds when you are young and you carry them into your 20s and 30s and 40s. And often it's not till you're about 50 or something you think, man, I've been living the wrong life. I've been listening to the wrong voices. Other people have shaped me more than Jesus. And so it's important that we grab hold of this. Uh, Think about some of the passages that the Apostle Paul writes about and it shouldn't surprise you. Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, it's all there. Uh, Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, Patience is another word for forbearance. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and it's with its passions and desires. Uh, Ephesians 4, get rid of all bitterness. It's like not as if, you know, no, hold on to some stuff. No, no, get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander along with every form of malice. You can imagine the church at Ephesus having a few problems. This is why Paul's writing. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. I shared it this morning. Uh, for me, Ephesians 4 is one of the uh, great relational truths that we should hold on to. Uh, it's one of the great things that I think has helped me in my relationship with my wife, in my relationship with my kids, especially when they were teenagers. And the Apostle Paul says this, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Why is that? Okay, so obviously we get angry. Anyone here ever get angry? (laughs) And what happens if you go to bed angry? What happens the next day when the sun comes up? You're less angry. No, you're worse. Why do you think you're worse? Because you didn't sleep. And you're stroppier, you're annoyed, and you're lying in bed, and especially if you're married, waiting for what? Waiting for the other partner to say sorry or to talk to you because you think it's their fault. Because you're so stubborn, you're gonna, not going to go first. And so you don't sleep. You wake up at 2 or 3 or 5, and you think, oh, I'm so tired. She still hasn't said sorry. Don't let the sun go down. And sometimes that's a really hard thing to manage. But I tell you what, if there's ever a real truth in how we are united with Christ and how we deal with things like this, you be honest and you say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, forgive me. You do not wait for some magical moment when the other person says, "Uh, I realise I stuffed up. If you've done it, you say it. And what's worse, I've seen it far too often in pastoral lives, people not not only let the sun go down in their anger, 
They do it for weeks. That's even worse. No, you're going to get rid of that stuff, so it matters. And then he goes on, Colossians 4, another letter to the church of Colossae. Therefore, as God's chosen people, and often people use this passage from Colossians 3 in wedding ceremonies. Some of you might have done that. Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness. And there it is again, patience, bear with each other. And forgive one another if any of you have a, has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, what? Put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. So it really matters. As we're connected with Christ, we are different people. We're united with someone who's profoundly different. We don't live as the world lived. Even singers and songwriters can express this. And I know many of you like the Irish singer Van Morrison. Well, I do. Van Morrison says this, When will I ever learn to live in God? When will I ever learn? He gives me everything I need and more. And more. When will I ever learn to live in God? Many, many years ago, I used to do sound for a Christian band. It was my brother's band called Cascade back in the day. But I still remember as an 18-year-old listening to a song that the band sang. And it had a line, I'm not ashamed to call upon his name, make his will my aim, is it the same for you? I'm not ashamed. And I can hear that channeling of Luke 9, 26. Remember, if you look at Luke 9, there's a moment there where Jesus is talking to others. And he makes that comment, if you're ashamed of me and my words in this generation, if you're ashamed of me now in the name of Jesus and you carry the name of Jesus, then guess what's going to happen later? Any idea? I'll be ashamed of you. So it's a biblical truth. So, you know, Jesus makes that point too. Don't be ashamed of the Son of Man. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Don't be ashamed that you carry that name. So imagine from a because we're talking about united with Jesus and the impact in our lives about how we speak, how we engage, patience, love, compassion. And I'm not talking so much at this stage about what others do to you. I'm encouraging you to realise the impact of this in your life, in my life. Let's just think for a moment the opposite. What would it be like to be disconnected with his life? How could you... What are some things that might come up? Well, think about the personal reality of that I've got down here. Do your own thing. Get angry and get even. Uh, Always give up. Take more selfies because you're better than everyone else. Uh, What about uh, others? Do not think too highly of others. Remember, you're better than them. No one else cares, so why should you? Always be rude, always be critical. What about marriage? Husbands, put yourselves first. Wives, always disrespect your husbands. Sacrifice, why would you sacrifice when you're the most important person in the room? Demand more, give less, never forgive, never apologise. What about church life? I said it this morning so I can suppose I can say it tonight. You know, come to church late, talk during worship, get distracted, don't listen to what's being said, uh, never greet a new person, never volunteer, don't change your ways. Remember if the person next to you is not listening, why should you? That's a disconnected life. We live in a culture where far too many people are walking around trying to plug themselves into something or someone else getting their information, getting their their data, downloading in places where they shouldn't. Think about our actions. 
Who we are matters. How we think matters. Because how we think affects how we act. There's a statement being said again and again, your behaviour follows your belief. You know, do many people here like sport? Anyone here, uh, I know some of the people in the morning love the Swans. They haven't done too well this year. Some people love rugby union. Some people love netball. Who loves New Zealand beating Australian women's netball? Not me. We all get passionate about all sorts of things. Too many people looking though to try to find out, so who should I listen to? To be in Christ changes that. The Apostle Paul says in, one Coloss- in Colossians 1 verse 28, he wants to present people mature in Christ. That's Miles' job, Shane's job, my job, to keep opening up God's word to you so you grow to maturity in Christ. So let's think for a moment about the real life impact, about being in Christ, about being connected, about how it affects our attitudes. So how might it affect our attitudes? Again, Nick read it out. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any, if any comfort, and notice how many times I should have read the, the word if appears. If any comfort, if any common sharing, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vacancy, rather in humility value others above yourselves. I, I think that's really hard in 2019. In humility, put others first. In humility, consider others more important than you. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. I think it's a really tough call. I think we, it's something we have to continue to work at. It's something people have struggled throughout the years. Uh, a particular lady, Amy Carmichael, some of you might know Amy Carmichael, she passed away about 60 years ago. She was a, a missionary in India. Uh, history says that uh, she spent 55 years working in India and never had a break. I'm not advising that, but that's the story of Amy. She said this, If I belittle those who I'm called to serve, talk of their weak, point, weak points in contrast with perhaps what I think of, uh, of as my strong points, If I adopt a superior attitude, forgetting who made thee differ and what is thou that thou hast not received, then I know nothing of Calvary love. The point being, if I put myself above others, if I think I'm more important than others, then and I adopt a superior attitude or point, which is actually true in life. We often do that. And I think our culture pushes us towards that. I love the comment from Lester Roloff. He says, As a, test, a test of a Christian's character is what he does or she does after he comes to the blockade in the road and what his attitude is after everything has left him except Jesus. And there will come a point in time when you come to a blockade when all your strength, all your wisdom, all your finances, all your study, all your HSE results, all of that will not serve you when it needs to. I shared this morning, I've had the privilege of the last few months of seeing two men in particular who really knew how to live their life when it got tough. Steve Semenchuk was one, uh, the lead pastor at DAPTO, and a guy from our morning congregation, Jack Moran. Uh, Both passed away recently, uh, but uh, they knew what it meant to hold on to Jesus when everything else had gone. 
And that's the call in our lives. That's what being united with Christ means. That's what means being connected to him. Uh, it's being in Christ and living our life and understanding it and living our life based on what we've been called to in Scripture. In the Word of God, that's the real challenge. Uh, the way we think of others, the way we connect. There's a writer, uh, there's my family there. Took that yesterday. That's me, three kids and seven grandkids. Eldest to the youngest. And I think of, uh, and that's just one aspect of, I think, about a hundred bits of my life, but that's just one. Uh, they all have such different stories. My kids are so different. So different. The grandkids are so different. So different. But I remember, because I've shared it before, Luke on the left, uh, Isabella and Levi there, and they've both been adopted. And I remember how they always felt judged by others because as a young couple they couldn't have kids. And as they got older, 25, 30, other friends would sort of look at them and think, so how come... And I know we don't mean to be mean, do we? But we can't help it. And then your friends are getting married, cue song. And then they're having kids and you're not. And they wonder about you. And it's really tough. It's really tough because why? Because you feel judged. Uh, and life can be like that. And unless we as a community and as a culture actually maintain our connectedness with Jesus Christ, the world won't bring their families in and seek to be encouraged by what we see and by what we say. Uh, Paul Tripp, a great writer, a, a pastor, he says this, My thoughts always proceed and determine my activity. It's crucial that you become more conscious of the vibrant mental activity that so influences the choices you make, the words you speak and the things you desire. And that's captured in how we post on social media, that's captured in how we text and email and speak and engage and shake hands and hug and roll our eyes at each other or not. Uh, and all those things capture who we're connected to or who we're not connected to. Uh, he went on to say, you know, you can be anyone, music teacher, stay-at-home mum, a professional athlete, a philosopher, a teacher. Um, you're always thinking, you're always thinking about a whole range of things. Teenagers constantly obsess about what's fair or not fair. Well, my kids did. That's not fair. You know, that was easy. I used to do that with my oldest brother. You let him grow his hair long, why can't I? We always try to balance it out, especially if we've got other siblings. Husbands and wives do truly argue because they look at the same situation but see things differently. And they argue and argue about things that don't matter till they're both exhausted at the end of the day, then they've forgotten about the very thing they're arguing about because it really didn't matter anyhow. But we're good at that. It doesn't bring honour to Christ. We, you know, we're thinking, we're trying to work out what are the choices we need to make? How do, we, how do we live this life? And sometimes we think, if only they're like me, if only they thought like me, life would be so much easier. If only they cleaned up like me, if only they washed up or did this. My dad. <laughs> um, one thing that my brothers and I used to, I don't think we meant it, but he really got bugged about it. My dad passed away 24 years ago on Father's Day weekend. One thing he never liked, 
He'd let us use his car, but too often we'd ring it back <clears throat> and it was empty with petrol. And he'd say, why can't you boys realise that once the tank gets halfway, once it's on half full, fill it up. It'll never go empty. And um, bless him because uh, he kept letting us use his cars, but it still took us ages to get that into it. The doctrine of the empty tank. You know, I know no one here ever lends their cars out and their family bring it back empty. Um, it's always a, you know, how we do this. It affects us. Being in Christ is so crucial. You see, the Bible tells us we are new people, new creations. We put on new clothes. We put on new attitudes, new actions. We're one body. One body, one faith, one Lord, one spirit. I mean, again, and Shane touched on it uh, two weeks ago, that's why sexual intimacy is so important because indeed it honours the union between, between God and us and who we are. Husbands and wives truly become one flesh at that point in time. Sexual purity. You know, how we connect, how we speak, all those things, our thoughts are predetermining what goes on, our behaviour. You see, the Bible is a book full of thoughts, of doctrines about grace and mercy and com compassion and faithfulness uh, and love and friendship and understanding others and forgiveness. Uh, an old lady from our 8 o'clock service walked out this morning and she's in the late 80s and she said, Ian, there's two things I've learnt after all these years, two things that really matter. Her name is Johnny and I said, what is it, Johnny? She said, love and forgiveness. I think it pretty well sums up life and it's pretty well what you get from the Bible and from God. Love God, love others. Love and forgiveness. You see, the Bible helps us understand what is right and wrong, what the actions are. Gathering together sharpens us. On Wednesday, I had something burn off under my nose. You're just looking at it and thinking, Ian, would you wipe your nose? You don't realise it's a bit grubby. And the doctor, let's just say his name's a guy called John. Um, I think he got too much enjoyment from inflicting pain on me. But anyhow, that's another story. I went to a coffee shop, got a coffee, and there was a guy there who used to come to our church. He comes about once a year. I don't know him. And uh, he was trying to find a way to say hi. It's always great when you're a minister and you see someone you sort of see from time to time. They're totally embarrassed. They want to hide. And the important thing is, I'm sure Shane does this, you don't let them hide. Hey, Dan, good to see you. And as he was leaving, he said, hey, look, you know, I hope to see you um, at, 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 I'm thinking he's going to say church, at, at that place sometime, he called it. And I thought, that place, that place, that's us. That's where the word of God is. That's where we value that. That's where we engage with each other. That's where we praise our God. That's where we sing his praises. That's where we hear from his word. That's where our life more and more is shaped, transformed by the word of God. Because that's God's plan for us, radical transformation. So uh, what's one thing that might be? Let me just again go back to uh, 1 Timothy 4. Paul encourages Timothy to think about his life. Watch your life and doctrine closely persevere in because it matters so what's one thing one thing that's important to remember our union with Christ affects everything I don't know whether you've realised this rope behind us actually is symbolic of rope and being connected connected with Christ in every area of life now we're united with Christ we're alive with him 
Christ died, we died with Christ. Christ rose, we rise with Christ. All those things we put on Christ. Christ is ours and we are his. Our activities, our lives, our, how we speak, it's all connected with who we are and the name we carry, the name of Jesus. We're called never to shame that name. Never to be embarrassed about that name, how we speak, how we boast, how we pray, how we praise, how we drive, how we welcome. And it's tough. You know, we're so blessed as a community to have Fig Tree Grove just across the road because whoever designed the car park, wow, I tell you what, they deserve a medal. But it's so frustrating when you go there and sometimes there might be only one car park there and there's about a car in front and you think, don't take it, don't take it. And you know why cars have horns? Just so you can gently remind them that that's yours. And you beep the horn. There's all these things in life we get tested with. You see, doctrine means we turn from who we were to something different. We're transformed. We really turn from being angry people into being peacemakers being greedy people, to be generous people, to be people who were selfish, to being willing to serve others. This is how our life is shaped. Uh, what's the one thing? I think Philippians 2 captures it well. In your relationship with one another, have the main, same mindset as Jesus Christ. Have the same mindset. And what does verse 6 to the end say? Here is Jesus. He did not consider equality with God something that he chased after. He humbled himself, Remember, even to death on a cross. This is what Jesus did. This is why we're called to have that same mindset. Don't take things for granted. Value others. Value God. Value, value what's going on around you. Understand the importance of that. Uh, every aspect of our life is changed. Uh, I was reading something by a lady called Sarah Walton. And uh, I think this is so true and I think as I share it, uh, it captures what we're, how we start in our life and our journey. She said, a couple of years ago my family was making a quick trip, this was written in 2017, to a department store, one of our children started losing control. Parents might be able to relate to that moment in time. Our little boy began to struggle with a verbal and aggressive outburst as his little mind seemed to turn into someone else. This was nothing new for us as we'd been seeking help for years. He has particular challenges. But it made me freshly aware, she says, of our struggle as I saw the eyes of those around us casting a silent but loud judgment. Get control of that child. Clearly there's no discipline in that home. If that were my child, they would never behave like that in a store. All those silent looks. You know what it's like? You know what it's like when we've given those sort of silent looks to others. As I felt my motherhood being clearly judged, I turned to one woman who had been casting a disapproving look and exclaimed, Don't judge me. You have no idea of the challenge we face at home. I've had it with these dirty looks and that silent judgment that often comes from those around me. My very identity as a mother was being challenged and it was not okay. Sarah went on to say, while this woman could have been more gracious, the real problem was that I was letting her determine my worth and my identity. And that's sometimes what others can do to you when you actually think they have more power over you than they do. 
She had no clue, Sarah writes, about the challenge that God had entrusted our family. I love the way she writes that. And yet what was revealed in my own heart was that I was seeking after an identity in how good a mum I was compared to others. That's what mattered, not who I was in Christ. The even greater sadness of the situation, instead of being the aroma of Christ, which we're called to be, I lashed out at this woman in the midst of my own identity crisis. And I think that happens for all of us. And I think it can happen in school. Uh, in my day, in school life, you actually had to use pen and paper. I don't know how they do it today. I haven't been there a long time. And you'd all get your papers handed out to you. And uh, often what would happen, you'd actually want to compare your mark with the person. I'm guessing it still goes on. You want to compare yourself with the person next to you. Instead of thinking, wow, you know, I got 72%. That's fantastic. What did you get? And you're more interested what they got than what you got, regardless of whether you think they deserve it or not, or whether they worked hard. Just, we ju- and then that, you carry that through high school, you carry that in the university, you carry that in life. And Sarah, as a mum, says this, uh, and raises the question, are you a woman who used to find fulfilment and praise in your job, but now you find yourself tirelessly working at home with unappreciative children and with very little to show for it? They can drag you down, then you can go out, side and then others can judge you about that as a husband men this is for you have you been blinded by the ladder of success at the expense of your family or are you feeling crippled because you're jobless or in a job where you find no fulfillment it works both ways for everyone Uh, you know some people look at others and as you get older uh, Rhonda and I didn't get married till about 24 25 uh, and many of our friends were getting married at 21 and we sort of, oh gee, why are they don't get married? Oh, haven't got a boyfriend, haven't got a girlfriend, maybe, you know. And all that sort of stuff you start to feel conscious of. You know, someone got a better job, they got that job, I didn't get that job, I'm still looking for a job. And then you start to, again, compare yourself to others. And, and it's, we, it's awful. Let's be careful, she says, that we are not imposing our personal conviction on others as if, we are more godly than they are. You see, it's really crucial that we start getting our identities in Christ, who we are, how we speak. It's our identity in Christ that changes things. We don't have to chase after the desires of flesh to compare ourselves with others. We don't have to fear the future. God has got it. Remember, God has got it. And we don't have to live a life where we constantly compare ourselves to others. I think that's often the case, especially, I will say, the housing crisis. I think young couples struggling to actually, they're still renting and still renting, trying to find a home and things like that. And others they hear about going well or doing different things. Uh, It doesn't bring honour to who we are. It doesn't indicate that we've been changed by Christ. To be connected with Christ means that he's our king. We serve him. We value him. We value what he has given us. To be in Christ means our power and strength comes from him. I'm only a Christian as I'm in Christ. You know, praise God that he loves us all to take our brokenness, our rebellious hearts, our rejections of him uh, and sacrifice his son for all of us to give us all a new identity in him. 
Don't settle for anything else. That's why you know, I love the song. We're not going to sing it. We're not going to sing it. It's in Christ alone. The world I live in, and I think you do too, is so consumed with external looks, external appearances, conformity to rules and regulations. Jesus is so interested in your heart. Be pure in heart, he says. Be pure in heart. You know, the world says sex is for fun, enjoyment, without commitment. The Bible says sex is for enjoyment, fun, with commitment. You know, I've heard Patricia Werrikin say it that many times, and I don't want to misquote her, but to think somehow that our bodies, when they connect, are not connecting with our brains at the same time is a huge mistake. The world says, get, give as good as you get. Only love those who love you and repay evil with evil. And what does the Bible say? Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Do good to those who hate you. Overcome evil with good. May it be more and more that as we live in Christ and him alone, that our own culture, our own church, more and more is a light to this city. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are gracious. We thank you for all that you've given us. We thank you, Father, that our interest is not so much with this culture, but indeed with a person, the one and only Jesus, the God-man who lived a perfect life of love, died on the cross and gave us a new hope, a new direction. Father, may it be more and more that we seek to be a light to this city through the transformation you continue to make in us. In Jesus' name, Amen.